0: everyone and welcome to the Balanced Purpose Podcast. My name is Ray Trevino and I am your host. Each week we will explore the essential elements of living a fulfilling, balanced and meaningful life. Our podcast brings together entrepreneurs, business executives, coaches, and everyday people like you and me who have seen challenges and have overcome adversities to create success and find balance in their lives. Whether you're a young professional seeking to make an impact in your career, a parent looking to balance work and family life, or a retiree seeking to create a new purpose, our podcast is something for everyone. So join us as we delve into the world of living a balanced and purposeful life and discover how you can create a life of balance and purpose for yourself. Today's guest is a mindset and habit transformation coach on a mission to empower women globally. To create the life they desire and deserve, she helps her clients gain clarity and exponentially improve their confidence through practice and powerful habits. She is a motivational, dynamic, sought after speaker and coach who creates deep audience engagement through an interplay of stories, facts, and practical applications. On top of this, she's a successful entrepreneur, mom to a five year old, and a wife. Over the years, through helping herself and hundreds of women, she has developed effective strategies to overcome the feeling of being stuck, burnout, and a need for validation from others. Through her speeches, workshops, and programs, she provides her clients with step-by-step plans to discover, make choices, and take the needed action to create a fulfilled, happy, and abundant life. I'd like to welcome Sushma mind Polly Susma, how are you today?
1: Thank you, Ray. Thank you for that wonderful introduction. I'm doing great. How are you?
0: Doing awesome. I just want to let you know that it is really an honor to have you on our show. Now, would you mind telling our listeners a little bit about yourself and throwing a fun fact that most people don't know about you?
1: Sure. So you covered most of it in the introduction. Um, I am a mindset and a habit transformation coach. And uh, I'd love to share more about my journey. So this kind of started eight years ago, and I, I'll start with a little bit of a backstory. So I, I grew up in India. Um, I was born in the Middle East. My family was in uh, Saudi Arabia for um, 13 years. That was where I was born. And then we moved to India. I grew up in India, and you know, I started my career there. My qualification is I'm an engineer with a specialization in computer science. So I had a very typical academic Focus growing up, and I always worked off of checklists. If you're familiar with, you know, the Indian culture, or if if you have friends who are Indian, then you would know that back in India, it's still widely a uh, male dominated society where women are always second step to men. Doesn't matter how many degrees you have, doesn't matter how smart you are. It's just the social conditioning that's there. So I grew up very ambitious. I was blessed to have a household where. It was me and my older sister and my parents always told us that our voices mattered. Like, never hold yourself back because you're a girl. Just go for it, chase your dreams and do whatever you desire in your life. And now looking back, I see what a profound effect that had the way we were brought up. So I always chased these big dreams that I had. And I had a checklist where I knew that this was the kind of education I wanted at this age. um, I wanted to... I have my first job in the IT industry, and this is how much I wanted to make on my paycheck and all of that good stuff. And then it was in my early 30s where I got to the end of my checklist. Yeah. Thankfully, and I'm grateful for that, that I had crossed off most of the items on my checklist. I was married. I had a, a place that I call home. I moved to the U.S. more than a decade ago, and now I'm located in Colorado. This is where you know I have my home, and this is what I call home now. So a lot of things were done. And then I was like, what do I do next? Like, I've been so focused for so long on that list. And then when I got to the end of it, I was like, I don't really know what to do next. And that was when I started asking my friends this question. They're like, you know, what do you envision your life to be? You know, when when you get to a point that you feel, okay, I'm, I'm kind of settled now, or I've done most of the things that I wanted to do in my life. My friends thought I was crazy because... They're like, you're in your early 30s and you've been blessed to have everything or most of the things that you wanted in life. And here you are thinking about what's next, like just enjoy it, party, travel, just be. Well, all of that made sense. But for some reason, at the back of my mind, it just kept running. I couldn't imagine like the next 40 years of my life doing the same routine you know, taking care of my daughter and watching her grow up. All of that is wonderful. That's the primary focus in life. But I was like, there has to be more to this. Like, this cannot be the end of it, right? And that's when I started asking this question to my colleagues at work. Who were a little ahead in their journey of life. They were in their late 40s. And Ray and Nick, believe it, it was so interesting to hear that most of them said, Sushma, it's so great that this question is coming up for you. You really need to be mindful about how you spend your 30s because that's when you're really focused on growing your career, growing your family, or you know, just kind of establishing yourself that you miss out on a lot of the fun stuff or the the more deeper, profound stuff that you always wanted to do. And just having that focus really helps you experience that and make time for what you really want to do in life. And that's when I really started like zooming out and looking at the bigger picture. What is it that I want to do in life? And that's when my self-discovery journey began. So I started reading a lot. I started talking to a lot of people. And so becoming a coach that I am today was not really a profession that I chose. It's more like it just came about to be like I was learning so much about myself, figuring out ways of making time in my life, creating habit routines, aligning my mindset with the goals that I had in my life. And I was know, this could be really helpful if I could share it with the women around me. And I say women because I think a lot of times women get lost in the shuffle of the day-to-day stuff when they're trying to do so many different things, being a caretaker at home or just managing the home, trying to build a career and operating from the heart and the brain and all of that put together so I was like I should I should know, start off by trying to help people and that's when I started putting a formal structure around it so I worked with Dale Carnegie for a couple of months I got trained by them I had a mentor at Dale Carnegie who had been there for like 35 years so she really kind of helped me with those baby steps to get it to a point where I knew that coaching was where I wanted to spend the rest of my life serving the people that I did But I will be honest, I continued my journey and this was all on my own time, but I did work in the IT industry for 16 years before I was ready to quit because I knew the bigger vision, the goal of my life was to become a full-time coach. But as we all know, and we all have had our own journeys, there are detours, there are pauses, there are speed breakers, and that's exactly what happened. And here I am today, very proud to say that just a couple of months ago, I finally exit my nine-to-five job, and this is what I'm doing full-time. So super excited about that.
0: Congratulations. Thank you. That's a huge achievement, just being able to to start working on your true purpose. Now, you had mentioned that during self-discovery, you wanted to work on the things that you wanted to do. And so that that brought up the question, how was your original checklist created And what was your thought process then? Were you creating a checklist to fulfill what other people thought that you should do? Or is this something that you had interest in back then? Because we know purpose will change, right?
1: Mm -hmm. That's a great question, Ray. And I must say, nobody has ever asked that before. None that I can remember. (laughs) So yes, a lot of my checklist got created from what people around me expected, like if you're in India, and especially the southern part of India. So I grew up in a city called Hyderabad. It's in the southern part of India. And the go to professions are either you're a doctor or you're an engineer. So right from the time I was in elementary school, I was like, you have to grow up to be an engineer. Because being a doctor, yes, it's a great profession, but it takes a different kind of wiring to keep going to keep studying and, and the kind of a responsibility that the profession brings, it it was a choice. So I was like, I want to be an engineer. And um, I love computers and I love learning about that technology and all of that good stuff. So right from a very young age, I knew I wanted to grow up and be an engineer. So everything that I did in my education journey was aligned with that. So my grades were aligned with the, the tests that I would take, what I needed to do next and all of that was a line and then I got my bachelor's in computer science and then I moved into an IT uh, job. So I started typically as a software developer, which is usually the first step into the IT industry. And very quickly, I realized that I was not a person to sit behind the computer screen. I needed to talk to people and I needed to connect with people. So I transitioned my role into that of a business analyst. So for the last 16 years, I've been a business analyst and an engagement manager In different capacities. So I just enjoy being that liaison between the business folks and the technology folks and just getting things moving and getting projects to the finish line. That was what I absolutely enjoyed about my job. And it was a good balance for me. I would say that a lot of the bigger targets were set based on what everybody was doing or what does a successful career look like. And, you know, where is the money? That's what we all focus on, right? When we start the career, like, where is the money? Mm -hmm. And, And the purpose is something that dawns upon us a little later as we start to experience the career and work through different jobs. And that's pretty much what happened. But in my journey, I would say the highlight has been that I was able to bring my passion to my paycheck. And I was able to actually bring my own style to the way that I worked, which I really enjoyed. So I I had that good balance where I was not put in a box or I was not restricted in any way, any role that I would have. I was very fortunate that I got to work with great teams and really good managers and leadership who were really all up for creativity, like bring your personality to your work, bring your own style to your work and just make it happen. So I will say that it's been a blessed journey like that.
0: You know, I'm really fascinated by you and here's why. Because you mentioned that your parents at an early age Mm
1: -hmm.
0: said you have a voice, right? Mm -hmm. And then you mentioned that you weren't in a box, you weren't restricted. Mm -hmm. However, you accomplished all of these things at an early age. So where does your discipline come from? Because if my parents said you have a voice and I was unrestricted and didn't have a box, I'd be running around doing anything, not figuring out what I wanted to do until I was 50. But you set out on a mission and you accomplished it all the way to the last checkbox. Have you been disciplined this way all your life? Is it something that your parents instilled in you? Or is it you're just you're just naturally born this way? Uh,
1: so I would say a little bit of both. I think we all come with a certain personality when we are born. And it's all about how that's groomed over the years. I will say that my parents, they're the kind of parents and cheerleaders who lead by example. And one thing that I always hold very close to my heart is something that my dad used to say. He was like, your true value comes when you remove all of the bells and the whistles. You don't have your dad's last name or you don't have your husband's last name. You don't have a financial status. You don't have a fancy car. You don't have a fancy home. But if you are the kind of person that people would still respect and care for, that means that you're doing something good in life. People need to remember you for who you are, just as Sushma. It doesn't matter where you come from or what you've done in life or how much money you have or any of that. The day you look back and you see that in your journey, there have been people who truly cared for you and respected you for that, you know, you've done something good in the world. So I think that kind of stayed with me for a very long time. So anything that I would do, I would try to keep it as authentic as possible as close to my personality and, you know, having that integrity in whatever I do and making the right choices that I felt were right, not necessarily fitting into the box. That's where I talked about having a good balance between the both of them. Then I moved on, like after my career, I had an arranged marriage. So my husband was here in the U.S. He had come here for his school. We met virtually and then... uh, we decided that we were going to get married, which is a typical way an arranged marriage works. But so it's been like, I had the say that I chose my partner, but I also was in an arranged marriage, which is a traditional Indian cultural thing. But then when we got married, it really worked out very well. And we've been married for 11 years now. Congrats. Thank you. So it, it's it's been a good balance. And I think that comes with a lot of discipline, a lot of maturity, and just having that bigger picture in mind that what is it that we want this to look like over the years? Because there are definitely going to be in career, in life, personal, professional, there are going to be pauses and challenges and barriers which feel like, you know, I don't know if I can get past this. But what I've learned watching my parents is that no matter how many obstacles you have in life, You can always work through them and it doesn't have to be the same. It'll always get better.
0: I love that profound wisdom that your father instilled in you, though. That's going to stick with me for a very long time. I've never really looked at it that way. Like what what happens when you strip everything off Mm -hmm. and all you have is you? Mm -hmm. You know, are people going to respect you the same? How are people going to look at you? If they didn't know that I was Ray, a business owner, podcast host or whoever I am. Are people going to look at me the same way with love and kindness? That's strong. That's very strong. That is something to keep you motivated and keep you going. Now, you had mentioned that you ran into detours and pauses and obstacles during your journey. Mm -hmm. What are some of the the toughest difficulties that you have overcome?
1: So the very first one was when I entered the IT industry in my job, I did not want to be a developer. So I started as a mainframe developer. Okay, <laughs> So mainframes mm-hmm. was something that I had only heard of in my textbooks, which was a blue, green, and black screen. It felt very primitive when, I, when we started doing that. It was not necessarily my choice to become a developer, but that was how you could enter into the industry. Like as a fresher, that's the only way that you could step in. So that phase was a little challenging for me, trying to sit in front of the screen and like do coding for several hours and the testing and all of that. So that would really stress me out, not being able to speak with people as much as I would like to. But then I quickly realized that I could change my role, which I did. But all of that, I think it took a lot of patience because it d- just doesn't happen like that. Like there are steps that you need to take before you get to a point where you can make a shift. And I would say that's been a pattern all through my life that I had to hold on to like the bigger vision, the bigger goal and kind of follow that North Star and tell myself that someday I'm going to be in perfect alignment with that. It's just that I have to get through all of these steps. Like, even though I say with a lot of pride that I've exited my job, I will say that I have immense respect for a nine-to-five job and I will always be grateful for everything that it has taught me and it has made me the person that I am today. All the wonderful people that I got an opportunity to meet and to work with and also you know, just having that financial stability. I mean, that's a big part of it, right? When you're trying to make a shift from being an employee to an entrepreneur, going through all of those experiences, learning how money works, really helps that wisdom to come forth that this is how you want to adjust your life. So I will say that those have been some patterns and one other big detour and speed break was COVID. Right before COVID, I went full time. And at that time I was a corporate trainer. So I was more of an in-person, like I, I didn't really have a presence online. I was a corporate trainer, which I was doing as more as a natural transition from my corporate job. So I used to train employees on staying on the path of growth so they don't have to scramble when it's time for their next promotion or when it's time for them to make a change in their job. I would train them on the mindset and the habits that are required to stay on that path of growth. So when COVID happened, I didn't really have a plan. And I didn't have an online presence. So, a lot of the clients that had booked with me, uh, they canceled because it was not on the top of their priority list. They were like, we're still figuring it out. And then I was kind of forced to go back to my job. I had no clue how to work through that phase. And I had just had my baby, and she was really young. And I was like, I'm not going to wrestle this beast at this moment. I'm going to just give myself some time and I'll get back to it when the time is right. And then after COVID, I went back to work in 2021, and then I worked for another two years, and then this year I quit again. And this time, I believe it's for good. But yeah, those have been some of the detours. And I think when people ask me, I always share the message that it's okay to take a pause, it's okay to take a detour, but never give up on your dream. Because the more focused you are, someday it's going to happen.
0: And focused indeed you are. I mean, I love the way you said steps you need to take Mm -hmm. before you can actually make a shift Mm -hmm. because you're really systematic about everything you do. And a lot of people who are angry with their situation or their job or really want to change and aren't happy, don't understand that there has to be a plan and there has to be time in order to make this shift. And this is where a lot of people will get themselves in trouble Mm -hmm. because they can't stand their job or the situation they're in. And so they'll just make a move which will get them in a deeper situation, right? Mm -hmm. But if you understand the way everything works, if you understand the processes Mm -hmm. and know that the time will come and that it just takes a little bit of patience and understand the money involved, you can be successful in just about anything you do. Mm -hmm. That's certainly profound. Is this something that you you currently coach with your clients?
1: Yes. Yes, I absolutely do. So I'm more focused on the habit coaching piece, Ray, um, where I help people create habit patterns in their life where they can bring in everything that they desire to do. And all of this comes from my personal experience as well, and also coaching other clients, because I've been doing this for a very long time. Like I started nurturing this dream of becoming a coach eight years ago. And all this time I've been you know, working my nine to five job, and then also trying to build my business on my own time. Then I had a baby, so I was a new mom. And then of course there's managing the home and all of the you know, regular stuff. So I've been trying and testing all of these strategies of how I can create that time for things that I desire to do. And I deserve the kind of success. It might take a little longer time. For some, it might take a little shorter time. But then having those habit plans in place really helps because those are the tools that really keep you going. And another fun fact, you know, based on what you called out, Ray, is that when you have a plan, you don't feel as angry as you would be. Like sometimes it feels like, you know, I don't want to get up. I don't want to go to work. But then when you remember that that's just a stepping stone for you to get to your dream, it makes you feel better. So just knowing that and having that vision can go a long way in making life more enjoyable. I'm all about, yes, we'll get to success. You know, yes, we will make our dreams come true. But it's important to enjoy the journey as much as we would enjoy the success
0: and you enjoy your journey every time you start talking about your journey this big smile comes across your face no matter what part of it you talk about you were talking about loving computers and loving technology and like your face just lit up so i knew that you really loved technology and computers it was really cool and then when you you talk about the shift your face just lights up so I love that you're sincere about what you do. It's huge, especially for somebody who's wanting to work with you. Thank you. And not to mention your abundance mindset, the way you said, "I deserve." That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And so, what what are your plans for your your coaching business? Where do you want to take it from here?
1: The sky is the limit. <laughs>
0: sky is the limit. Yep. Yeah,
1: and uh,
0: but I know you have a plan.
1: Oh yes. Oh yes, I do. <laughs> And I, I do want to touch on the abundance piece. A lot of this, I think, comes from experience. And I like to share this because not everybody has to go through the experience themselves to learn about it. Just hearing about it can kind of help accelerate at so many different levels. So I'm I'm someone who always believes that there's enough in the world for everyone, for sure. And it's never a competition. Well, healthy competition is good, But it's never a competition with everyone around you. We're not competing with the universe. We're not competing with other coaches. Like when I shout out, like give shout outs on social media for other coaches, people are like, I see you promote other people quite a bit. And I'm like, why not? Why not? I mean, they're good at what they do. I'm good at what I do. Okay, we may have an overlap, but there's still something unique that we bring to the table. And I like to think of it this way, that think of influencers, right? Every influencer has a huge following. Now There might be very similar influencers out there, but still each of them has their own loyal following. Because in this world, it's not just about what you do, but it's about who you are. If someone resonates with you, then they will want to work with you. They will want to follow you or they will want to know more about you and your journey. And everybody has their own little tribe in that way. So we're all abundant in that sense. And we all have an opportunity to take a piece of the pie. I'm all about collaboration in that sense. And I just started on my journey uh, with the full-time coaching. I have different programs that I offer. Right now, I'm on a one-on-one coaching program mode. So I have a 90-day program. I have a one-year program. And I'm very focused on the habit pattern creation. And the reason there's a 90 day and a one year is the 90 day is more about creating those habits, making them behavioral patterns. And if you think of it in in a general sense, any new habit that you're trying to create takes around three months. The most common ones we hear about are diet plans, right? Fitness plans, diet plans, they're usually like three months long. And that's because science tells us that the minimum amount of time that it would take, or I would say the average amount of time would be like three months. Some people do it faster if they're more disciplined. Some people take a little longer, but that's the average time. So I try to work with them to create the plan that actually fits with their life. I emphasize on that because a lot of times, and I've done this too, I've learned from my mistakes. A lot of times we think that morning is the ideal time to work out, right? Like work out and then start your day, energize yourself and start your day. But that doesn't work for everyone. Like if you're a mom that's trying to get kids out of the house to school in the morning and then trying to pressurize yourself that you have to work out in the morning, it's just not going to happen. And then you end up in a loop of guilt and then you're like, I never keep up with my discipline. I never keep up with my resolutions and all of that stuff. And then you just keep spiraling downward. So it's very important to understand that Every plan has to be customized. There is no one plan that fits all. So that's exactly what I help my clients with. That I create a customized plan, first figure out what they truly desire, then get to a mindset where they believe that they deserve it. And then I create a plan for them, which is this is how you need to shift things in your life. And another thing I emphasize on is work on one habit at a time. The way I visualize it is like if you close your eyes and think of it, as a white string tied at both ends, which is your day routine, you don't wanna mess up the whole thing because then it's gonna take way longer to set it right. So make little shifts one piece at a time, like one section at a time, and that's gonna keep much more calm and avoid the chaos. So shift one thing at a time, that'll also help you feel confident, that'll also help you practice your habit and get into that routine. And then the last phase usually, which is the action part. So you do it and then you celebrate. Whatever shifts you've made, you celebrate. If you fell off the bandwagon, that's fine. You get back on it and then you know we just go from there. So 90 days is my minimum uh, duration program. And then I have a one year where... More of the emphasis is on accountability and we can work through a lot more habits if my client chooses to.
0: Do you also help with the reversal of bad habits? Yes. What are some of those bad habits?
1: The definition of good and bad in my mind is it's very personal. Like for someone, some something might feel like a, a super bad habit. And I think there are a lot of different compasses that come into play. You have a social compass, you have a moral compass and a lot of different things. So I'm the kind of coach uh, Ray where, I don't want to tell people like this is good or this is bad for you, because even if I tell them it's not going to be sustainable unless they come to a realization and they come to a determination that this is what needs to change for them. So a lot of my mindset coaching piece is focused on them stepping up and getting to a point where they're like, "Okay, I see it now that this is the reason why I'm not as happy as I can be. I can have a better life, but I'm not there yet. And this is what I need to adjust. So unless that why is very strongly grounded for the client, it's not going to help in any way. Like I can work with them for years, but then they're going to keep falling back into their old patterns. So that's very important. Uh, Let me explain that with an example. Like I had a client, she's a really successful business owner, but one habit she wanted to create is she wanted to get out more. You know, she loves spending time with nature but that's a habit she wanted to create, that she wanted to get out and like spend time, get in fresh air and all of that. So I actually helped her adjust her very successful business routine so she could make time to step out and have that me time, personal time with nature. And that kind of really accelerated her success in business as well, because we are not two people. We're the same person doing personal and professional stuff. So if we're happy in our personal lives, then we're successful in our professional lives and vice versa. And then there are others. One other client that I worked with, he wanted to stop drinking a lot of coffee through the day, like he would go through several mugs of coffee, which I think is, is a common habit. A lot of us think about, you know, we want to reduce doing that because it's not healthy, but then it never happens, right? So uh, I have a process where I kind of help them figure how they can find those trigger points where they feel like they need coffee like what's causing it coffee is the action drinking coffee is the action but there is a reason why you want to be caffeinated so trying to you know peel off those layers to understand what is it that's causing you to have that behavior really helps establishing that why why I need to change this and then from there it makes it much more easier So I I help my clients do that
0: as well. And then once figuring out what that desire is too, if I desire to be really, really fit, then I probably shouldn't eat that piece of chocolate every day after dinner. Mm -hmm. Even though it is just one piece, even the smallest habits can compound into something bigger. Mm -hmm. Now, I want to hear a little bit about some of the other organizations that you're a part of. For example, the Colorado Business Women's Foundation. I know you're doing a lot of things externally aside from your personal coaching.
1: So I'm a part of the Colorado Business Women, which is here an organization in Colorado. It has a history of around 45 years that it's been around. It's a group of business owners and women entrepreneurs. We come together once every month, and it's a great opportunity to celebrate the sisterhood, to kind of support each other, learn about each other's business and support each other in our business as well. And I am a vice president outreach with Colorado Business Women, which means that I work with an organization called Dress for Success Denver, which is again a women focused organization, which helps women get back into the workforce and kind of helps them feel supported in their journey. It could be economic, financial, or whatever that might be. So it's a non for profit organization. So as a VP outreach, I work closely with Dress for Success, that's the charity of choice for the Colorado Business Women Organization. So I really enjoy sharing my experience from the corporate world. And I've been in the shoes of an employee. So it it helps me translate the thoughts and speak the language of, you know, all of the women folks who are trying to get back into their workplace or trying to make shifts in their life. And I really enjoy doing that. You know, on my own time, I love to volunteer. They have a professional women's group. Within the Dress for Success organization. Primarily, they are all about providing suiting and formal dresswear for women, but they also have a professional women's group within where they actually do a lot of skill training, confidence training, interview training, presentation training, and all of that. So I love spending my time doing that as you know volunteer work. I'm also involved with another organization called Achieve Systems, which is the fastest growing organization of uh, business owners and entrepreneurs in the world and I say in the world because right now nationwide there are members from all across the country here in Colorado we have three conferences around the year we almost have like 200 to 300 attendees for every conference so it's really huge and I love being a part of this organization just because they put community first It's not just about business, business all the time, but they truly care. Members of this community step in with the mindset of collaboration and supporting each other. So it's really huge. And I'm super excited about the fact that the Chief Systems is going international next year, and I'm going to be leading that initiative. So I am the global expansion uh, leader and director. Uh, So this is going to roll out starting January of 2024. And the vision and the mission is to establish the same kind of awesomeness in other countries because this is not just a place for networking, but there are, you know, million dollar worth resources that are available. Personally for me, I've been with the Chi for almost a year now. And it has greatly accelerated my success. So I want to bring this to more and more business owners and entrepreneurs in the world.
0: I love that. That sounds like an exciting organization to be a part of. Oh,
1: yes, absolutely.
0: Very nice. Now, with all of this work that you're doing, helping clients, the organizations, a mother and a wife. How do you find balance and time for yourself in your life?
1: So great question. And thank you for asking me. Two things that I talk about a lot, and I also practice because I have to test my own strategies before I share it with my clients. Unless I believe in it, I don't want to share it with others. So two things that are very important is it's extremely important to protect your personal time, like your boundaries. You set your boundaries and then you protect them fiercely. No compromise non-negotiable. I know a lot of women tell me that, you know, I'm in a job and this is what my boss expects me to do. So I have to extend my time. Well, I understand that kind of pressure because I've been an employee too, but I always leave them with a question. Do you think that's really the kind of place that you want to be a part of a workplace, which does not respect your boundaries? Because here's the thing, as a woman, when they hire you, they know that there are certain personal boundaries that they have to respect when you're coming in. Men have those boundaries too, but women have them as well. And I think women struggle more to protect those boundaries. So that's why I kind of emphasize on that. So just protect your me time. And as a part of that, it's important to remember that self-care is not a reward. A lot of us women think of it that, okay, I had like a really tough day. So I deserve a day off at the spa or I need a bubble bath or whatever that is. But in my mind, I tell my clients, it doesn't have to be a reward. It can be one of your tools so you can be at your best energy and your best mood and your best mindset. And when you bring that rejuvenated energy, you just do better in your life, be it personal or professional. So self-care has to be a critical part of your routine. It's a very important part of your routine that you have to find that time. You have to find the space where you can completely unplug from the noise so you can hear yourself. And the second one that I talk about is try to keep your personal and professional personalities as close as possible. And this is extremely important because as you have more responsibilities in life, as you're growing in success in your job or in your business, it's just going to get more complicated. Like I had a client recently who said that it's a crazy madhouse at home. Like she has three kids and she was like, I have to get them out of the door and they're like yelling, they don't get ready. And then the bus is at the door. And then she's an executive at her workplace. So she has to walk in all calm and composed and walk into a meeting and actually handle all of those important decisions, which gets really hard. It's not possible to maintain two different kinds of personalities when you're the same person. So I tell my clients a lot, please put together practices where you can bring those two personalities as close to each other as possible so you can be your authentic self. If you need to practice more calm, you have to make those adjustments at home. And if you have to carry that same kind of energy to your workplace, then you have to make the adjustments at your workplace as well. And here's the fun fact is that it can be done. You just have to try You just have to try and maybe the the way you do it may may differ from person to person, but it can be done. You just have to figure it out.
0: I love that. And that holds so much truth because I have a uh, five and a six year old now who, you know, through the years can be very challenging and testing. And then Mm -hmm. if you know me outside of here, I'm cool. I'm calm. I'm a promoter of love and kindness. And so when they're one and two, sometimes where you can get frustrated and so what I had to do was develop meditation routines I have to wake up before everyone else to make sure that this works and so there has to be that quiet time that prayer time to be able to center there are days where they wake up before me don't get me wrong but I have to say hey just a minute right and so daddy needs five to ten minutes so I can recenter my thoughts because first thing in the morning is the worst time for me if I'm not centered and that's 100 percent accurate because if I can get that self-care first thing in the morning through meditation and prayer or whatever it is, my day just goes from there. If I don't, then I have to figure out a way to cope. I've got to find five minutes to get into the bathroom or the closet or whatever, wherever it may be or go on a quick drive around the block to be able to just center in silence. And that's a huge point because you know I've, I've had friends that are the coolest friends and then all of a sudden they get around their family and they act completely different. It's a valid point, a valid statement, and something that's truly important if you're somebody who's going to be in the spotlight or tries to be in the spotlight.
1: Right. So I try to, and, and like you said, Ray, I try to break my my day down. And this is an easy way to remember. I have a me time, which is just my time. And then I have a we time, W-E-W-E. And that could be anyone. It could be me and my husband, or it could be me and my mom. Just one person. Just one other person that I spend time with. And I kind of... Plan that across the week. And then there is us time, which is all of us, like with my daughter, with my husband, with the, the larger family, and all of that. So it's me, we, and us trying to find a balance in how much time we spend in each of those areas can really make a great difference. Maybe one day it, it's, you know, one area is a little more than the other, but that's okay. Overall, in the week, It feels pretty
0: balanced. And I have to add to that too. One of the most important components, especially when there's me and we, is to make sure that everybody understands what it is that you're doing and what it is that each person needs. Because my wife's needs Mm -hmm. are different than mine. My needs are different than hers. The kids need their own time. Mm -hmm. But you have to make sure that you're working cohesively and everybody understands why. It's not just daddy running away from a situation, right? It's daddy going on a quick jog or doing whatever it is that he needs to do to recenter. And as long as everybody understands the concept behind that, then it makes things flow that much smoother, right? It it becomes, it becomes a force, a force to be reckoned with. Thank you for bringing that up. That's, that is awesome. Now, moving on, how do you define purpose in your life?
1: So to me, what purpose has come to mean over the years is when I go back to sleep at night, and I feel like I'm a better person than I was in the morning, then I feel like I've served my purpose. And that could be anything. It could be a conversation with a friend. It could be meeting a new person. It could be reading a book. And I think that kind of keeps me motivated and driven every single day that when I wake up in the morning, I tell myself, I'm going to do at least one thing That's going to make me a better person than I was when I woke up. So just having that sense of satisfaction and going to bed in gratitude and reminding myself that there is the abundant world that is going to wait for me when I wake up in the morning, that's been my purpose for a very long time. And I just feel like when we are on that path, it all comes together. Like the universe tells you what your purpose is. You will find something in your life that you truly resonate with, which feels like your calling, which happened with me and all of the wonderful coaches that I've met. Andrea, we've had a conversation earlier as well, one-on-one conversation, where you told me about your story. And I think all of us who are trying to make it big in this abundant world, we all have a story and we all found a calling at some point or the other. That's how the purpose comes to be.
0: I love, love, love that. You know, one of the things I strive for is to be better than I was yesterday. And now you just took it a step further. How do I be better than I was this morning? I mean, that keeps you focused and grounded all day long. That's one simple goal. And that's beautiful. And so now to piggyback that question, we live in a pretty distorted, noisy world. Like you said, you know, you have to disconnect to hear yourself talk. Well, it's everywhere. Everywhere you go, it's just noisy and gray and sometimes very dark. How do you keep yourself grounded and focused on your purpose?
1: Well, I will agree that it's very noisy. And on days when I spend a lot of time on social media, and and I bring up social media because that is what I see as most intrusive. Well, it's a great platform. It's a great blessing that we get to meet a lot of wonderful people and we get to meet virtually we get to know people and in their life. But like you said, you know, there's a lot of noise, there's a lot of darkness, there's a lot of negativity in the world out there as well. And Social media is what has been the channel of bringing all of that into our homes, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's right on your phone all the time. Earlier, it was a situation where you had to go out and like engage in a negative argument to feel negative. And now you just have to like read comments on a viral post and then you have enough negativity that could last you for a week. Mm -hmm. So I think it's very important to be mindful of how much you expose yourself to that. So I think having that control is critical and that's where all of my habit tools come into play. Like some days I really want to just sit down and scroll through my phone, but then I have limits. Like I have restrictions that I've put boundaries for myself that this is how much time I'm going to spend and then that's it. It's non-negotiable. So I turn it off and then I go do something else. So I think having those kind of controls is really important. And the other piece is being self-reflective. I'm one of those who was a part of the last generation before the internet. So I've seen life before the chaos of the smartphones. And I remember my first phone was like as big as a TV remote (laughs) that that I used to carry around. And I still think back to those days and I enjoyed growing up like that, like before all of the technology. And sometimes I feel sad for our kids that they will never get to experience that life. But I think trying to find that balance, it's still possible that we create that balance and like your podcast, you know, have that balanced purpose. Make sure that you're plugged in enough, but also make sure that you have enough control to unplug when you don't want to be in that noise or when you don't want to be in that space, right? And I think teaching that to our kids is also extremely important because the future generations that we have right now, the younger kids, they really struggle. Like they live with technology at school, at home, all the time. And it's really hard for them to get into a self-reflective mode, really hard for them to Just listen to their mind, listen to their thoughts and keep the calm because they're constantly distracted by a million different things all the time. So I think for us to practice that as parents and share that with kids is extremely important. And that's kind of how I do it, sticking to my boundaries and respecting them. And making sure everybody else respects them as well. Great
0: answer. You're super disciplined. So I know you're very successful at that. I heard a an alarming statistic that adults like our age, our generation, will spend mm-hmm. 27 minutes on their phone just checking an email. So you go to check one email and that'll end up costing you 27 minutes because then you go from that email to Instagram, uh-huh. to LinkedIn and other sites. Well, it increases by 10 minutes for each younger generation. And I'm like, wow, mm-hmm. that's, that's pretty crazy. Now, me, it's a little bit longer, you know, because I have a world-renowned podcast and I've got so many people just texting me and emailing me all the time. But 27 minutes wasted in a day from just checking one email is huge.
1: And on that point, uh, Ray, if I may add, I think a, a big part of that is remembering that we are powerful enough to control our own lives. A lot of times when we're in this flurry of social media posts or emails or whatever that might be, when we're exposed to this, Unconsciously, we slip into a victim mode. We are like, "I have to go through these emails. like I have to get this done." And it just happens naturally. It happens to everyone. But trying to remember that, okay, it's the end of the day, it's five o'clock, I need to shut my laptop, my work day is done, and the world is not going to come to an end if I do not respond to like those last 10 emails. And that's okay. I think remembering that you are in the position of power. You are the hero of your story. You are the guiding light for your own future. I think just that can make a huge shift in how people have patterns and habits and the things that they do and then they regret and feel guilty about. All of that can be avoided. Just don't feel like you're ever a victim. You can always change things. You have the power to do that.
0: That's absolutely correct. And another thing, too, that I started doing when I started Pioneer, Texas several years back is respecting other people's time, even if it's a friend, if it's Nick or any of my associates, if I text them or email them after four o'clock, I let them know, listen, you don't have to answer me until tomorrow. If it's the weekend, don't worry about getting back to me. This is just a thought that I have. And I know if I don't send it out now, I'll probably forget or I just won't send it to later or until it's too late. So whenever I have a thought or something comes to mind, I just go ahead and get it out there. But always know that you don't have to reply to me right away. It doesn't have to happen. If it's four o'clock, five o'clock, seven o'clock, sometimes I'll shoot out a text at 10 o'clock because it's a thought I'm having while I'm laying in bed and I can't fall asleep until I get rid of it. You know, and, and it's one of those things. And it's also being aware of other people as well. And it kind of helps them out and it works both ways.
1: That, that's really wonderful, Ray, because not a lot of people are like that. They'll just dump stuff on you. And then it's kind of up to you if you want to respect your boundaries or not. You know, I've had people who reach out to you, they want to respond on an email. You know, the, they feel like the world is coming to an end, which it's not. Uh, but then a couple of times when you set those boundaries, then they come to understand that doesn't matter what happens. If I email Sushma after five o'clock, I'm not going to get a response until the next day. And I think they learn to respect the boundaries. And when they question you, you tell them it's past five. So I'm not on my laptop anymore. I'm not reachable. And I think sometimes you have to kind of assert that and say that you have to respect my boundaries because I'm not going to do it. And there's only so much you can do to force me into it. Just that makes a huge difference.
0: It does. And then also setting your sleep timer. I set it from 8 p.m. to 7 a.m. So I'm not even going to see the notification. (laughs) Well, I'm really interested to hear uh, how you answer this question because it's been a wonderful conversation. But through all, all of your work and all that you've accomplished in your life, what legacy do you hope to leave behind through your purpose and all of the work that you're doing now?
1: So when I think of my legacy, the very first thing that comes to mind is I want to leave my legacy in my daughter. I want her to grow up watching her mom, chase her dreams, do everything that she always desired. And knowing that my daughter, she has the power to do that as well, create the life that she desires and deserves. In the bigger scheme of things, I think that's a big part of my message as well. Because I know that a lot of my friends, people I know, when I started off on this journey of becoming a coach and entrepreneur and creating my own business, I'll be honest, Ray, I lost a lot of friends. Mm. I would say I lost them in the sense that they just distanced themselves because they couldn't understand what I was trying to do or they felt like I was very different. So they just stopped asking about how my business was going, or what I was trying to do, or what my dreams were. So I really had to go and find my own tribe, like people like you and other coaches and other business owners who get it, right? And it, it was a painful transition because for a very long time, I couldn't understand why my friends just couldn't cheer me on and encourage me, even if they don't understand. But then over time, I've realized that it's more on them and not on me, that they don't get it. But I also know that all those people who are watching me, I hope to inspire them. And someday I hope they feel like, okay, if she can do it, then I can do it, too. And that is what I want the message of my life to be, because considering where I come from, culturally, the kind of journey that I have made, the kind of people I have met and I I do believe that every person that I meet, I do touch their lives in a certain way and they remember me for who I am. And I've made those friendships, even with my colleagues, if you would ask them uh, in my job, they're like family. They're like extended family to me. They're not just my colleagues. So I see that with pride that I've done a good job creating those relationships in the world and spreading that kindness and that love. And I would want to continue doing that. But my bigger message is that I would love for women out there in the world to watch me grow and feel inspired that they can also do big things in life along with all of the responsibilities that come with being a woman.
0: Wow. I absolutely love that. That's great inspiration, even for us guys, too. Now, Sushma, if there was someone out there that wanted to get a hold of you or learn more about what you do, is there a website they can go to?
1: Yes. Yes, there is. It's www.proxel, P-R-O-X-E-L, proxel proxel-us.com. So all of my information is there. And an interesting story for the name of my company, Proxel, is I I put that together, combining the words propelling excellence. Mm. And I came up with that because I believe that each of us has a gift. It's all about uncovering that gift and bringing it to the world. And when you do that, then you're on your path to get to excellence. And through my services, I want to propel that and accelerate that journey.
0: I love that. And I'll also attach that to our show notes along with your social media links as well. It's been a great conversation and I loved, loved, loved speaking with you today, Sushma. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Ray. And one last thing I wanted to mention for all of the viewers is Balanced Purpose is an absolutely amazing podcast podcast. I've been wanting to get on the list of guests for a very long time. So thank you for inviting me. And for all those who are listening, my uh, first book is coming out early next year. It's up for pre-order on my website. I'm really excited about it. It's called Clarity, Brevity and Impact. Three ways to create a life you desire and deserve. And as you will read in the book, having the clarity, brevity and impact, having that as your formula to get to success is applicable across your life. It can be a professional challenge. It could be a personal challenge. Just breaking it down and kind of categorizing it into these different areas can really help you create the plans. And that's what my book is going to focus on. So it's going to be more like a workbook style where anyone who's reading it can choose the challenge that they want to work on, create the plan and actually successfully implement it. So I'm really excited to get that book out there and uh, to hear the feedback from all of my readers.
0: I can't wait. And I will certainly be grabbing a copy.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much.
0: Well, Thank you for your time. And thank you so much for being on the podcast today. We truly appreciated your company and loved hearing about your journey, Sushma.
1: Absolutely. It was a pleasure.
0: Balanced Purpose Podcast was created and hosted by me, Ray Trevino, and is produced and edited by Nick Goldney. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. Check us out at balancepurposepodcast.com and on Instagram at balancepurposepodcast. Remember, finding your purpose is a journey, not a destination, and it takes time and effort to achieve balance. Make it a great day.